Chapter Five of Nan Sherwood at Pine Camp. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Carmen H. Nan Sherwood at Pine Camp by Annie Wilcar. Chapter Five: Great Expectations. Mister Sherwood, in overalls and an old cap, had been sifting cinders out behind the shed. They had to be careful of Bill as well as of most other things. Momsey would not open the long envelope until he had been caught and had come in. Nan still wore the bright-colored bandana worn around her head, turban-wise for a dust cap. Papa Sherwood beat the ashes from his hands as he stood before the glowing kitchen range. What is it? he asked calmly. A notice of a new tax assessment? Or a cure or advertisement of somebody's pills? It's from Cousin Adair, said Momsey, a little breathlessly. And it's been lying at our door all the time. All what time? asked Mr. Sherwood curiously. All the time we have been so disappointed in our inquiries elsewhere, said Momsey soberly. Oh, responded her husband doubtfully, and said no more. It makes my knee shake, confessed Nan. Do open it, Momsey. I... I feel that it is important too, the little lady said. Well, my dear, her husband finally advised, having waited in patience. Unless it is open, we shall never know whether your feeling is perfecting or not. By the itching of my tongue, and so forth. Without making any rejoinder to this, and perhaps without hearing his gentle raillery, Mrs. Sherwood reached up to the coils of her thick hair to secure woman's never failing implement, a hairpin. There were two enclosures. Both she shook into her lap. The silk foreign-looking letter she picked up first. It was addressed in a clerkly hand to Mistress Jessie Adair Blake, kindness of Mrs. Adair Mackenzie and Company, Memphis, Tennessee, USA. From England? No, from Scotland, murmured Nan, looking over her mother's shoulder in her eagerness. She read the neatly printed card in the corner of the foreign envelope. Callum and Blake Hartborn Chambers, Edinburgh. Mrs. Sherwood was whispering her maiden name over to herself. She looked up suddenly at her husband with roguish eyes. I'd almost forgotten there ever was such a girl as Jessie Adair Blake, she said. Oh, Momsey, skilled Nan, with clapped hand and immense impatience. Don't, don't be so slow. Open it. No, her mother said, with pursed lips. No, honey, the other comes first, I reckon. It was a letter typewritten upon her cousin's letterhead, but it was not dictated by Mr. Adair Mackenzie. Instead, it was from Mr. Mackenzie's secretary, who stated that her employer had gone to Mexico on business that might detain him for several weeks. A letter addressed by you to Mr. Mackenzie arrived after his departure, and is being held for him with other personal communications until his return. But being assured that you are the Jessie Adair Blake, now Sherwood to whom the enclosed letter from Scotland is addressed, I take the liberty of forwarding the same. The Scotch letter reached us after Mr. Mackenzie's departure. Likewise, will you please acknowledge the receipt of the enclosure and oblige? This much of the contents of the secretary's letter was of particular interest to the Sherwoods. Momsey's voice shook a little as she finished reading it. Plainly, she was disappointed. 
Cousin Adair, I am sure, would have suggested something helpful had he been at home, she said sadly. It, it is a great disappointment, Robert. Well, well, replied Mr. Sherwood, perhaps not without some secret relief. It will all come out right, at least. Your cousin hasn't refused his assistance. He shall be established somewhere before he returns from his Mexican trip. I, I did depend so much upon Adair's goodwill and advice, sighed Momsey. But, dear me, sis, gasped Sam impatiently, what are you folks bothering over that for? It isn't Cousin Adair that I want to know about. It's this letter, Momsey, and she seized the thin yet important envelope from Scotland and shook it before her mother's eyes. Better look into it, Momsey, advised Mr. Sherwood easily, preparing to return to the scene sipping. Maybe it's from some of your relatives in the old country. I see Blake printed in the corner. Didn't your father have an uncle or somebody who was steward on the estate of a Scotch lad of some realm? Heck, mon, cried Momsey, with her usual gaiety and throwing off the cloud of gloom that had momentarily subdued her spirit. Your air a wise shell. My father talked muckle old Uncle Hugh Blake, remembering him for a wee laddie when his aunt father took him to Scotland and to Castle Amberon on a visit. Nam and Papa should laugh at her when she assumed the Scotch burr of a bobbess. With precision, she cut the flap of this smaller envelope. She felt no excitement now. She had regained control of herself after the keen disappointment arising from the first letter. She calmly opened the crackly sheet of legal-looking paper in her lap. It was not a long letter, and it was written in a stiff, legal hand instead of being typewritten, each character as precise as the legal mind that dictated it. Mistress Jessie Adair Blake, known to be a married woman, but wedded name unknown to writer. Dear Madam, it is my duty to inform you that your father, the late Randolph Hugh Blake, was made sole beneficiary of his late uncle, Mr. Hugh Blake, the lad of Amberon Stewart by a certain testament, or will, made many years ago. Mr. Hugh Blake has recently died a bachelor, and before his demise he added a codicil to the above testament, or will, naming you his great-niece, his sole heir and beneficiary. There are other relatives who may make some attempt to oppose your claim, but none of new blood. Your title to the state estate is clear, but it is quite necessary that you should appear before our courts with proofs of identity, and so forth. On receipt from you of acknowledgment of this letter, with copies of identification papers, your grandfather's naturalization papers, your father's discharge from army, your own certificate and marriage lines, and so forth, I will give myself the pleasure of forwarding my further particulars you may wish, and likewise place at your command my own services in obtaining possession for you of your great-uncle's estate. The said estate of Mr. Hugh Blake deceased amounts in real and personal property, including monies in the bank to about the sum roughly estimated of £10,000. Respectfully, your servant, Andrew Blake, solicitor and attorney. Nan had leaned over her mother's shoulder, big eye, scarce believing the plainly written words she read. It was preposterous, ridiculous, fanciful, a dream from which she must awake in a moment to the full realization of the dreadful need of just such a godsend as this. It was her father's voice that rose to go. He had not seen the letter, and Mumsy had read it silently to herself. Look out, Nancy, what is the matter with your mother? 
with a cry the girl caught the frail little lady in her arms as the letter slipped unheeded from her lap to the floor mrs sherwood's eyes were closed she had fainted End of chapter five